It's a real honor to have Pastor John Hunt. And if you weren't aware, um, Pastor John has been in Ipswich um, from very, very early days. And for those of us who know Alec and Pauline Alcorn, that is um, Pastor John's parent-in-laws, because he married Francine, who's the daughter of Alec and Pauline Alcorn, who we used to support in our missions, because they would go around churches and minister. And maybe Alice remembers those, certainly Alice would remember that, and I don't know, maybe Andrew, Sue, those days. So, um, so there's a bit of history, but John's been at Ipswich Church Youth Pastor Days, grew up in it, and now is the senior pastor. And we had the, I suppose we had the privilege of growing up together, and we, I was just saying today we'd go to state conferences and say, I wonder if we'll ever become senior pastors. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's a privilege to have him. Um, uh, he, he's, um, he wouldn't... Uh, I suppose consider that he's the state, our state leader, but I just, he's so down to earth, I just say that sincerely, but uh, John just comes with a wealth of knowledge and information and, and experience and we appreciate that and just appreciate him coming to our church and, and um, being a part of this and ministering. So I just thought it'd be great for him to come and speak to us for a time tonight. So if you're kind of, your chair has to be turned around, please feel free just to turn around so you can um, feel comfortable and... Um, so let's give John a hand as he comes. Thank you, James. And uh, it's always great to be here in Gladstone. We've been coming um, to and fro from Gladstone for, for many years. I remember I said earlier, uh, Lydia, when she was like about two or three or something, I remember, and the, and the girls, James, Michelle, I have three daughters. Francis and I have three daughters. So we have a little bit in common. We've um, uh, taken on the Ipswich Church 24 years ago. So uh, the conversation he's referring to is a little old, but then again, <laughs> time does go so quick, you tend to lose track of that. And uh, we have um, two of our, our oldest girls are married. Um, one of them moved to uh, China on, the, on the, the day after Boxing Day, where they are two granddaughters. And um, her husband got a job over there, and th th they thought this was a too good an opportunity to, to not follow up. So... Uh, they had Christmas with us, basically, and then the next day off to the airport we go and said goodbye to our two uh, lovely granddaughters. We have another daughter, Larissa and James, who started Collective Church in the middle of Brisbane a little over 12 months ago. Uh, pioneered a church with nobody but themselves, basically, and uh, been going a little over 12 months now. They have 100 people or so that, um, that they've gathered there in the middle of Brisbane, which is great to see. And uh, they also have given us a granddaughter and for the first time, hallelujah, a grandson. So <laughs> finally some testosterone into the lineage, eh? We got there, James. Took a while, <laughs> but uh, finally we do have a grandson, three granddaughters and finally a grandson. And our youngest uh, daughter, Melanie, is uh, she's 21 and just finishing her degree uh, she finishes mid-semester uh, this year, and uh, God knows what she's going to do. She tells me she's going to go and live in London for a while, so uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, we've, uh, as um, James has pointed out, been leading our movement here in Queensland for a little over six years now, and just really, really enjoying that. Really appreciate people like James and Michelle who look after the region here. And, you know, James has said to you all tonight how much he appreciates the contribution you make to this church here, and it really does flow that I thank them for the contribution that they make, because they volunteer <laughs> to help make this movement what it is, and uh, do an amazing job, and have been doing so for many years. So let's give them a hand for their uh, incredible 
work that they do. And uh, so, so, so how was Christmas anyhow? Did you have a good Christmas? And uh, uh, was it a perfect Christmas? Did everything go absolutely smoothly? Could you, re- no, okay. <laughs> what would have to change for you to have had a perfect Christmas? So I could change a few things for us about a perfect Christmas if I could rewind the clock. Uh, sitting around the lounge room on Christmas morning with our three daughters, their two, you know, two husbands and all the grandkids and that. And uh, if I could change something, we did a thing this year, we'd not done before, we did Secret Santa for all the adults. And this year, I'd make sure that um, one of the son-in-laws didn't miss out on getting any presents on Christmas Day. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whose mistake was that? <laughs> We're sort of all there ripping into our presents, you know. There's this poor kid sitting in the corner thinking, I'm not appreciated here. <laughs> I'm merely a means to grandchildren. That's my only contribution. That's all I'm valued for. <laughs> poor kid, he didn't get a present. I'd, I'd, I'd remediate that if I had the opportunity. Uh, and then, of course, we, we had our, you know, our, our Christmas Day service. If I could rewind Christmas, I could live it again. What, what we would do this time is that when we put the roast in the oven we turned the oven on. <laughs> but uh, kind of didn't happen. <laughs> well, it wasn't complete loss. We turned on the grill. So this much was cooked. You know what I'm saying? It was all right. That bit was all right. Rest of the thing, anyway. What, what happened, and, and just to sort of, you know, fill you in on the backstory there, so you're not all thinking, oh, his wife can't cook. Well, he's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> what, what happened was... Um, you mentioned earlier about her parents, my wife's parents. Um, well, her mum's been very, very sick, very sick, and been hospitalised and is now in a home. Um, so after, after the Christmas Day service, my wife took our three daughters and went to visit her mother in hospital. Um, I had to go and run another errand, and the two son-in-laws were charged with taking the four grandkids home, making sure no one drowns, uh, and putting on the roast. And so... <laughs> Just to let you know, it wasn't the same son-in-law that didn't get the present. <laughs> it, was the, it was the one who got the present, so he wasn't being smart. But uh, yeah, I, I would have changed that, you know. Uh, look, how many know life doesn't always work the way that you might hope 100% of the time? If we could go back to two, and that's just Christmas, right? And I mean, think of the first Christmas. Could you imagine? Uh, this little teenage Jewish lass by the name of Mary, do you ever think that she thought of getting pregnant before she was married, right? Do you ever think that was in her plans? But the first Christmas didn't quite work for her, did it? And what about him? What about Joseph, right? Could you imagine turning up at the hotel, right? I noted before we went back to the hotel this afternoon, James on the phone just making sure that I was booked in, you know, smart move. Because <laughs> there's nothing worse and turning up at the hotel, saying, you know, do you have any reservations? What's your name? Joseph Davidson. That was his name. <laughs> Son of David. Uh, Joseph Davidson. <laughs> and uh, well, it was that funny. And, uh, and he gets guy looking and saying, mm, did, did, you, did you book in there under another name? Why they ever asked that? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. No reservations. Uh, just so happens, you know, there's a stable out the back. So off to the back. They marched. Is it any wonder it was a silent night? That's all I can say. <laughs> right? If I didn't make the reservations, it would have been a silent week. But anyhow, it's all good. 
But you don't always do everything that you, you, you know, it doesn't always work, does it? And, uh, you know, you guys have had a great year and, and, and 2016, you know, marvellous. But it, it, it's probably, if we wanted to, we could probably all get up and say, yeah, but that didn't work well. And well, that didn't go as we were hoped. And, and, and you know, if we could reverse that, we, we would. Um, because life doesn't always go the way that you expect. Uh, Solomon made this really profound observation many years ago, obviously. Uh, I'll read it to you because he, he wrote it down, which was quite handy of him, because otherwise we wouldn't have had it. Proverbs 13, 12. He says, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, when we're talking about turning on the rose and getting a present, it really didn't bother him. Uh, you know, I, I'm having a bit of fun. Uh, but the truth is, when you're really hoping for something and it doesn't happen, uh, and you're dealing with the disappointment of that, it can actually start to affect your spirit. It can actually start to affect your heart. And, and it happens, and it happens in churches all the time, in particular in amongst the good people of the church, the people who do all the work, because they're the ones who have the highest hopes. They're the ones who have the expectation. You know, I'm expecting this person to do that, and they don't turn up. And I'm expecting this person to achieve this, and they just drop the drop the ball altogether. And, and this hope deferred thing is a real issue for us. You know, Solomon made the observation. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, it, it, there is a poison when, you, when hope is deferred that is released in your heart. Now, what's so significant about that is that he also said in, um, in um, Proverbs 4.23, he said, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you have flows from that. Right? So every opportunity you're going to get in 2017 doesn't come from luck. That doesn't really even come from your hard work. It actually flows from your heart. Right? The issues of life, everything about you flows from your heart. So put those two thoughts together and we come up with this. The number one issue, he says, above all else. Right? So, so number one thing, guard your heart. Could it be that the number one thing of guarding your heart is protecting your hope? Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? So what you have to realise is that there is a poison release when hope is deferred. And I have to deal with that or it'll affect my heart and that will affect my life. So how do I deal with it is the question. And we've got, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and I'll hold you long to answer that question. It's a really, I think it's a really important question because for 2017, you're planning to have 2017, right? We're going to have a great year and we're going to do great things and all that. And I'm absolutely believing for that for you guys, absolutely. Uh, but I also know that as Christmas and as 2016, not everything's going to go as you were going to expect it. So how do you protect your hope in a world that sometimes lets you down? You've got to be able to answer that question. How do I protect my hope in a world that sometimes lets me down? To answer the question, what we're going to do is drop in on a conversation or drop in on a, on a story we read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Story that some of you would know, probably most of us would be familiar with, but, but that question is answered in this story. I'm going to find it for you and make it clear so that from now on, you know the answer to that question. 
It says in verse 13 of Luke 24, it says, Now behold, the two of them were travelling the same day to a village called Emmaus. That's really important. Which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They talked together all these things which had happened. Let me just give you the backstory, right? So these were disciples of Jesus, probably not the 12. We know they weren't the 12. They were part of the 70 that followed Jesus. And they'd watched the crucifixion of Jesus. And they were pretty disappointed. Hope deferred. Their heart was sick. They were hoping Jesus was going to do something that he didn't do. They were hoping he was going to rid them of the Roman scourge. It becomes apparent in a moment. And they didn't. So what did they do? They head off towards Emmaus. Now Emmaus is a word that means spa. How many of you have ever got fed up with the world and thought, that's it, I want to go have a good back massage? <laughs> right? Or, or maybe back massage isn't what does it for you. Maybe it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's out on your boat and it's a fishing or whatever it might happen to be. But, but, but what's going on here is that these two individuals have been really disappointed by what happened and it's kind of like, you know, well, you, up you, you know. I've had enough of you lot. I'm going to look after myself. So this is about self-indulgence, right? This is about protecting myself because I'm disappointed and upset. They're heading for the spa. Two people, that's really important, seven miles, because that's about how long it takes to get to this level of conversation. There weren't three people, because if there were three people, the conversation probably wouldn't have got to the level that it got to. I mentioned a little bit about this earlier today. Uh, They talked together about the things that had happened, and you can kind of hear the conversation. Their disappointment. You know, we thought Jesus would have done better than he did. The Romans will kill us all now. They've taken out our leader. They're going to come for us. It's all over. We're doomed. It's finished. The sky's falling. The hope is over. It's finished. And they're having this really negative conversation with each other as they're walking along to the spa. We're going to look after ourselves now because we were going to do great things for God. And the great things have now fallen apart. These conversations happen normally in the midst of just one other person. You don't tend to be that vulnerable to a group. It's just you and your spouse or you and your significant other, you know, you and your best buddy, you and your friend, you and your whatever, whoever that other person is. And you start to get that, that negativity in your speech. And so it was. Um, while they conversed and reasoned, Right, so they're given real justifications for their position of negativity on the circumstance. Uh, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This, this I've, I find this bizarre. Right? This next passage here I find scary, to be honest with you. Because if this happened to two disciples who were there when Jesus fed 5,000, they saw him walk on water, they heard the words from his lips, They'd seen him for three and a half years or whatever it was. And yet, look at this. He's been gone for three days. And look at this. Uh, But their eyes were restrained and they did not know him. Can you get your head around that? I mean, I haven't seen James for, you know, a few months. I still recognise you, mate. (laughs) You know, a little greyer, but you're still still James. (laughs) You know? And that's the, that's the way it is, isn't it? Like, you know, I haven't seen you for uh, a couple of weeks. Or I can still remember you. 
couple of months, a few years. He's been gone a couple of days. They knew him intimately. He stands in their presence and they can't even see him. Do you find this bizarre? Is, is this like a little crazy? Like what is going on? And here's the scary bit. If it happened to them, why can't it happen to you? That Jesus comes into your midst. I mean, for crying out loud, the resurrections happen, boys. You know, the greatest miracle of all humanity has taken place. You know, death has lost its sting. Sin has been conquered. And then, oh, woe is me, the sky has fallen. Huh. And he said to them, this is powerful. This is the question he asks them. Listen to this. What kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are sad? You know, Jesus listens to our conversations. He asks you, what kind of conversations do you have with your wife when you get home from church? What kind of conversations do you have with your friend after youth? What, what kind of conversations are this? You two are talking and you're depressed. Your conversation is spiralling you down. What kind of conversation uh, is this? And uh, it's not hard for that criticism, for that negativity, for that defeatism, that, that, that sense of disappointment to start to flow. And, and this, this teaches me a really important lesson, that my conversations restrain me from seeing Jesus. Yeah. That my conversations restrain me from seeing Jesus. That Jesus can turn up with an answer to the, to, to, to the problem. And I don't even see him. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is necessary for edification, so that, uh, so that it may impart grace to the hearers. I heard Phil Pringle say one of the most profound things once. Uh, he said, to find out what something's for, you study in the scripture and you find out what it was used for first. Apply that to your speech. What was speech used for first? Not communication, but Creativity. The first time in the Bible is recorded speech. It's let there be light. The first cause of speech is not to communicate. The first cause of speech is to create. And these guys are creating a world that's sucking them down and making them sad. And Jesus turns up and they don't even know it. And here uh, it says, Then one of them whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in all Jerusalem? Have you don't know the things that have happened these days? He said to them, what things? He's playing along with them. <laughs> oh, really? What happened? <laughs> and so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and the word of God before the people and so on. Uh, isn't it funny? Are you the only stranger? They call him stranger. They used to call him master. They now call him, call him stranger. <laughs> Three days from master to stranger. <laughs> And, and, and here's our word. But why, in verse 21, but why we were hoping. There it is. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Why we were hoping that, he, uh, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So we were looking for a leader like Moses, you know, like Joshua, 
somebody would lead us out of, of, of as Moses led us out of the Egyptian scourge, so he would lead us out of the Roman scourge. A Joshua, a man of battle, a man of war, you know, somebody who could rise up a, a mighty army, raise up a mighty army. That's what we were looking for, and it didn't happen. And these Romans are still controlling our streets and, and taking our finances and, and, and you know, sucking all the, the good out of our nation, and, and, and that was not what we had Expected. We were hoping something from God and he didn't deliver. I don't know whether any of you here have ever thought that. <laughs> I was hoping something from God and he didn't deliver. And, and, and sometimes we can hope from people and don't deliver and you get a bit cranky with them. But sometimes that person may even be God. And you can conclude, well, that's it. You know, I'm running away. <laughs> I'm going to go and live in Gladstone. I'm going to get away from <laughs> you know, the middle of Brisbane or whatever, you know. <laughs> I'm going to run away and, and just look after myself. I'm going to go to a place where, where it's comfortable, where I can have a sense of, 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 of external joy and escapism. Uh, the road to Emmaus. And this is what Jesus says to them, and we're getting to the crux of the issue here. He says to them, Oh, you idiot. <laughs> Virtually, he says, I mean, read it for yourself if you think I'm joking. Um, Verses uh, 25 of chapter 24 of Luke, he says, You fools, oh foolish ones. That's not very politically correct, is it? (laughs) Don't call me a fool. Uh, You know, that's uh, very unkind of you, Jesus. You should be coming alongside and sympathizing with me. Have some pity on me, Jesus. You know, my master has been killed. Uh, he's been, he's been you know, crucified by the Romans and, and we've lost all hope and we've lost all purpose and you're calling me a fool. Like you're just rubbing you know, salt in the wounds here, Jesus. But look what he does. This is, this is so significant. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And then he starts to teach them. He begins at Moses And all the prophets expounds to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I'd love to have been that Bible study. (laughs) So Jesus takes him to the the Bible, takes him to the Word and says, see here the seed of the woman? That's me. See here the lamb that's slain? You know, in the the extradition of of, uh, Israel out of Egypt? That's me. You know this one they talk about the prophet like unto Moses? That's me. Thanks all the way through the Old Testament. And he finds Jesus. He finds himself. And he's expounding this uh, to, to, to these two guys who are walking along, uh, talking about the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Do you know what he just did? If you know what he just did, then you know the answer to the question. Did you see it? He changed their conversation from their circumstances to the revelation of Jesus. That's where hope is. That's where hope is. See, we can all have a negative circumstance. We can all have a horrible experience. What Jesus does is he he transfers their conversation. You fools. And then, then he starts expounding the scriptures. He starts talking about Christ in the Bible. He rips the direction of the conversation and he puts it in a new direction. 
says then that uh, as they drew near the village where they were going, he indicated that he would keep going further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards the evening and the day is far spent. So he did. He went in and stayed with them. If you could constrain God for something, what would you constrain him for? A new car? Maybe you constrain him for the health and well-being of your family. You might constrain him for a better house, constrain him for you know, a better paying job. They constrained him for his presence. And, and it came to pass... As he sits at a table with them, <laughs> he does something and they go, this is strange. We've seen this before. <laughs> he takes some bread and he breaks it. And he has a way with bread, Jesus. <laughs> he breaks this bread and they go, didn't we just see this last week? Were we in the upper room and this guy took bread and he broke it? And it's starting to hit them, isn't it? They're starting to go, uh-oh, <laughs> whoops. And, and then he, 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 he drinks and, and uh, he blesses and says in the next verse, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanishes. Isn't that so like God? Are you going to walk by faith, not by sight? And they said to one another, and here's, this reinforces the point. There's only one point here. It's going to be about to be reinforced. Now they realised it. Okay? It says this. Did our hearts not burn within us uh, while he talked with us on the road? While he opened the scriptures to us, their hearts started to burn. They didn't know it then. It's only afterwards that they've been able to look back and go, something was going on. Remember we were walking along, whinging about how unfair life was to us? How circumstances let us down? How things didn't go the way that we you know, thought they should? And then he comes along and he, he starts opening the word and, and, and discussing the word and, and, and teaching us the word. Remember how that made us feel? There was, they describe it as a burning heart. I'll tell you what it was. It was the healing of their hearts. Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? The hope had been deferred. Their heart was sick. Jesus turns up and recognises that, hey, there's poison in their heart. I need to bring the remedy. And so what does he do? He opens the Word. There's more healing in the Word than there is in all the hospitals in this land put together. There's more healing in the Word than there is in all the doctors and all the nurses put together. And God bless them all, right? God bless them all. But I'm just saying that there's more healing in the Word. And you've got to realise that, folks, you know, we can get disappointed and we can get a little downhearted from time to time. What we've got to do is pull our hope from Christ in the Word. And not just in the fact that circumstances don't cooperate with our expectations. Because circumstances will often not cooperate with us. In fact, we live in a sin-filled world that often does not cooperate with our joy. (laughs) And so what happens in that moment? Well, you have an option. Either complain about them, complain about circumstances, complain about situation, or you can talk about the Word and you can find Jesus in the Word. Here's a question I've got for you and... By all means, answer it in your heart. I don't want anyone to kind of, you know, necessarily talk it out, out loud or respond out loud. 
but you're leaders, right? And you're very, very important, really, really important. I can tell you now, um, if Satan can't make you bad, you know, if he can't get you to, you know, do the wrong thing, I don't have to find that, I don't think. But I tell you what he'll do, he'll make you discouraged. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you discouraged. And you'll just, and then when you get discouraged, you just make excuses, don't you? Oh, look, you know, love, love to be there, Pastor, but busy, you know. <laughs> and uh, got others, you fill your life with other, other things, you head towards them, other things that are going to um, remediate your soul. Emmaus, the spa. <laughs> you, know? uh, you don't ever say it like that, but that, this is exactly, I've seen people do this in church life all the time. Get disheartened and discouraged because things didn't go the way they were hoping in their ministry. And so what do they do? They find an interest outside. And they, they, they go outside. And here's, here's the thing that they omitted from their life that I'm encouraging you to not omit. Where do you go to regularly just talk about the Bible? Does that exist in your calendar? I'm not just t- talking about, you know, coming to church on a Sunday and hearing, hearing the, the word preach, although that's really important. I'm talking about gathering. This is a small group. There's just a few people. And Jesus is discussing with them himself in the Bible. And, and you know, sometimes we, we can do this and we don't even realise the healing that it's bringing to ourselves. We, we don't even recognise how lucky we are to have it and to be able to talk about it with the people who are around about us and put ourselves in that situation. And I've got to tell you this, too many times we get too busy for this. I got lots to do in the church. I got over here, and I and I omit the time of just gathering with a few brothers and sisters or whatever, and just discussing the word and just praying for each other, and and, and not realizing the therapeutic effect that that's happening on my spirit, on, on my heart. And these guys didn't know it when it was happening, and you don't know it when it's happening, but they recognized it once it had happened. And verse. 33, really just sums it up. And I'm just going to leave you with this thought. It says, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And what was Jerusalem? The house of God. The house of God. So we're not heading for the spa anymore. We're not heading for recreation. Not he- heading for, you know, self-indulgence. We were, that's where we were going because we were hoping we would find the healing for our heart there because we were discouraged. But along the track, Jesus turned up and showed us, hey, what you're doing by whinging to each other is you're taking the poison from your heart and you're placing it to me and I'm taking the poison from my heart I'm passing it back to you. And Jesus said, what is this conversation? You're making each other sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, where is the joy in your life? You are being filled with depression. You are being filled with sadness. Maybe if you would tweet it today, he would have said, wrong conversation, sad. <laughs> and, and, and we can easily get kind of caught up in the depression, the, 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 the depression of this world. As a matter of fact, they tell me that, you know, antidepressant drugs are, are sort of going here, 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 here in terms of their sales. As, as we become more um, obsessed with the world that doesn't cooperate with our version of joy. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder, it's, as I said, it's, it's so easy to, to kind of 
put this out of our life, that, 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 that fellowship around the Word uh, with, with one another. Was Jesus doing something? Of course he was. He wasn't doing what they expected. And, and let's just bear that in mind. When God's not doing something before, before us, he's doing an enormous amount behind us. Uh, it's easy to get discouraged because we don't see what God is doing right now. But the truth is, God is up to something far greater and far larger than you could ever imagine. You are part of it. And you won't ever get your head around it till it comes to eternity. Right? You won't ever be able to comprehend the effectiveness of your life until you finally stand in heaven and you look back. Because we tend to judge by the splash, but God judges by the ripple, right? We want a big splash, but God's not so much interested in the splash. It's the ripple that goes out, the effectiveness, the generation after generation, uh, the, the, the multitudes that are affected over time. You know, you put on this thing, like, it's going to be great, it's going to be great, and you walk away thinking, oh, well, that was nowhere near what I was kind of hoping, because you are measuring the splash, God measures the ripples. See, God is up to something far greater and far more significant than you could ever imagine. Your little box of brains cannot contain it. He was just not going to bring about some kind of national revival. He wasn't just going to bring about you know, the end of the Roman scourge on the streets of Jerusalem. He was bringing about the salvation of mankind that was going to exist for millennia after this moment. You and I are here tonight thanking Him and still basking in the glory of what He did in that moment and they were whinging about it. (laughs) Go figure that. Because so often we get discouraged because we don't see the big picture. Encourage yourself. God will have His way. God is up to something. It's bigger and greater than you could ever imagine and take joy from the fact that you have a part in it. Don't get discouraged and discouraged on the ebb and flow of the splash of the moment. But put your hope in Jesus. Right. Put your hope in Christ. And then you'll never be let down. Then you'll get to the end of 2017, be just as enthusiastic and just as excited as you were at the beginning. I've seen too many people get involved, you know, in church. Yeah, rah, 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 we're going to do great things for Jesus only to burn out along the way because they couldn't get their head out of their immediate to appreciate that God is up to the ultimate. And they weren't encouraging themselves in the Word and allowing the healing virtue of God's Word to pump, pulsate through the veins of their spirit to keep them on track and to keep them alive. I'm going to pray for you, and uh, I'll see you in the morning. (laughs) Father, I thank you for everybody in this room. Lord, I thank you that they've chosen to be part, that they've, uh, Lord, put aside um, other responsibilities and and time commitments and whatever, uh, and have have put their best foot forward for your kingdom. Uh, I bless them tonight in Jesus' name. And I sincerely before your throne, thank you, Father, for their commitment and, uh, Lord, for uh, the fruitfulness of their life. Father, I pray for them tonight. God, I pray that, Lord, their heart would not be discouraged. They would not allow 
the poison of hope deferred to affect their spirits. But God, tonight, that have a, a hope and assurance that's firmly situated in you. It's not based on, uh, on, on the ebb and flow uh, of the circumstance of the moment, but that is firmly fixed and that in, in the eternal moment where we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, as we serve, Lord, not, not for the immediate accolade, but for the ultimate endorsement. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right. Thanks, John. I always love it when you just take a verse you've read from years and all of a sudden something else comes out of it, hey? And you just think, wow, I didn't see that. <laughs> That's why maybe we should read it, hey? It'd be good. That is brilliant. I appreciate those thoughts, and I think that uh, sets us well as we move into this year, um, because uh, I think one of the greatest things that happens in this world is that the uh, enemy continually makes his suggestions and his lies, and the greatest lie is, I think, uh, you're not going to make it. You're not gonna, it's not going to happen. Uh, your family's ruined. All the lies in the world, I tell you, you know, aggravate the devil, stop listening to him. <laughs> stop listening to him. Fantastic. Hey, let's have a thank you for coming. Uh, the night is young. Enjoy each other's company, but we're going to start to um, pack up the night, and uh, you're welcome to go. If there's a couple of guys who want to help us pack up, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, but otherwise, just enjoy yourself, and you're free to go when you need to. Thank you, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the meal. Great. <laughs>